Welcome to The Waggle, the official podcast of the Canadian Football League. Well, it's never boring uh, in the CFL, I can tell you that. Alouettes win on the final play of the game. A huge wrench thrown into the storyline of this game. No weight on the right ankle of Nathan Rourke. That's right. Welcome to another edition of the Waggle podcast brought to you by us here, the CFL, CFL.ca. I am Donovan Bennett. He is Enoch Wamba. We are both back uh, for a, a scheduled rest day in the middle of the season. Mine was I was on vacation. Like I don't really have a good excuse. He and his you know, uh, beautiful wife were bringing a new life into the world. So now two girls goes to three. As uh, girl dad Enoch Mwamba has a much bigger family and, and more love to go around. So one, congrats, welcome back. Uh, I, I don't see sleep in the eyes. I don't. I don't see bags underneath the eyes. I do see a big smile. So everything going relatively well. Let's just say the village is active. All right, and um, just to correct you, I did not do the hard work. The wife did, and uh, I was just there, so I did not get fined. And uh, you know. I completed my uh, sideline job. But I will say this. If you are not watching, I hope that you can get on YouTube to see uh, Donovan Bennett supporting the Toronto Argonauts with his colors today. I appreciate you, <laughs> Donovan. And let's get it started. Let's get started with our midseason all-stars. Uh, you know, I, Later, we'll, we'll get to that as I will give my midseason all-stars. Enoch will tell me maybe if I'm close, if I'm far, and other names that maybe should be in the conversation. Uh, and yes, I'm I'm wearing some, some teal, I suppose. Uh, as, you know, I thought maybe the Argonauts could use me, uh, could use some help because um, it was uh, it was a struggle to finish. Uh, but, but let's start uh, with the game that happened before that. We'll get to that one in a minute. Uh, for Ottawa, it's a struggle to start. It's a struggle to finish, but actually they had the lead going into halftime. And then all of a sudden Edmonton rises up and goes on a run. They scored on their first three possessions of the second half and and took what was a close game and ran away with it 30 to 12. Uh, So much so that uh, Mark Goody, one of the principal uh, members of the ownership group uh, for OSEG, took to Twitter to voice his frustration. Now, Devontae Dedman coming back in the building, that gives them some energy, some life. But it's tough to get energy and life at that stadium when they have been so bad for so long. Uh, and not really even entertaining to watch. When the owner, we'll, we'll start with the negative and then go to the positive in, in Edmonton. When, when part of the ownership group is taken to Twitter for a thread of frustration, not, not just one tweet, it's like two, three, four, five. To me, that means those voices and that sentiment is not new. It's been referenced in the building. It's been referenced with others. And now you're just trying to say, paying customers, I'm with you. Don't don't get it twisted. I understand. I'm frustrated as well. So I, my fear is that we could see some changes in Ottawa soon if we don't see changes in the win-loss column. As a player, what do you take from a member of ownership, you know, getting some Twitter fingers after a loss? It's tough, um, you know, and then it depends, right? I'm not in that locker room exactly, but I do know this, and I've been a part of teams who, you know, did not have the greatest of starts and the greatest of seasons, period. It's tough. 
losing games sucks and um you know this is this is livelihoods that are at stake right now and uh when ownership gets in the way and starts to speak like that then you can just hear and see really the writing on the wall um the truth is ottawa just seems to have more questions than answers and you know in particular at the most important position um of all i mean uh obviously since the loss of uh mazzoli caleb evans you know has shown some flashes of brilliance but you know not consistent enough and then you see also um you know every single time for the little bit of time that we uh we saw nick carbuckle kind of step in you know he didn't really seem to be uh feeling as comfortable as you would like um you know your quarterback your your, your quarterback that's going to lead you to victories to feel so he's not there yet caleb evans isn't there yet and to me really it just shows along with the the, the tweets uh, from ownership that you know uh coach lapolis does not have that much time left um in in ottawa to turn things around well we know there's a long leash uh, in edmonton despite their struggles uh, you know from management on down, everyone seems to be in lockstep. We just haven't seen uh, the product on the field. But what I do like from what I saw on the field is you're on the road. You're down six at halftime. It's been a struggle this year. It would be easy for that team to pack in and say, well, this is just going to be like a bunch of the other weeks where you know we take an L and we get back on the plane and we go home. And the fight, specifically offensively, that, that I saw in the second half, let me know that maybe the, the players aren't there yet. Maybe schematically they're not there yet. Maybe the systems aren't there yet. But from a culture standpoint, um, you know, it, it was good to see that this Chris Jones-led team fought and, and got themselves not only back in the game, they, they ran away with the game. The West is super tough. But uh, do you see positives coming out of Edmonton? No, absolutely. I, I definitely see some positives. You know, here's the thing, and I think you hit the nail – right on the head, Donovan, when you talked about time. And that's that's really the key word when you look at these two teams, right? When you take a step back, you look at Ottawa, and we talked about Coach Lapo and probably not having that much more time to make things happen. Um, perhaps the arrival of Deadman coming back and and hopefully he can, um, and again, he's, he is a, 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 a very smart guy on offensively speaking. So, you know, perhaps, him being able to use Deadman could change, th turn things around. But again, the lack of time or the time at least, the lack thereof is very evident in Ottawa. And when you look at the other side and you take a step back, Chris Jones has been really taking his time. He's been taking his time building the team that he knows, um, you know, is going to be successful. And to me, it seems like, I don't know how, or, or if everybody else, but, or for you as well, um, DB, but to me, it seems like, Chris Jones is just trying to have the right guys in the building. And he's been taking his time. I mean, week in and week out, you see him bringing in new guys and, and rotating new guys and even guys that are already on the field. And I spoke with a bunch of guys that, you know, I know are very capable. Um, but sometimes, some weeks, we're sat out, you know, um, just because Chris Jones says, hey, look, I'm going to try this young rookie out and see what he can do. And so he is taking his time, bringing guys in, and uh, trying to create that team, whether he is hopeful or, or thinking that this is gonna be the year. I doubt that, but I really feel like he's taking a very um, patient approach when you look at the grand scheme of things, as opposed to uh, him trying to rush and figure things out this very year, in very really uh, year one of his return in Edmonton.
Yeah, patience isn't a word I would necessarily associate with Chris Jones. Uh, but I think you're right that he's he's being pragmatic. And here's what I mean when I say that. You know, uh, all those rings and things you sing about, bring them out, right? Chris Jones has won them at all levels and different roles. For him, it's you either won a ring or your season was a failure. And I think he went in there and knew this is going to be a difficult job. They're not close to winning a ring now. So what difference does it make if I am a crossover team, if I lose in the first round? Ultimately, if I don't hoist the breakup, like, that's that is what it is, and so you know when when someone's taking over, what's head coach, GM, you know there's there's definitely two schools of thought. You can lay out your structure, your foundation, um, your allocation of resources to do what you think is going to allow you to win this week, or you can do it in a way that you think is going to allow you to win sustainably over a long period of time. And I think Chris Jones is saying, in between those whistles. I'm going to try and win. I'm going to compete. But ultimately, I'm trying to build this thing up to a level where I can win championships for years and we're not close. And, and sometimes you have to tear it down to build it back up. I think that's what we're seeing in Edmonton. And, and, and we saw they got the win. To your point, in Ottawa, that's not a luxury. Like it, it is week by week. You need to figure out a way to you know stay on schedule offensively, get off the field defensively, uh, get a win that week, and live to have your job another week so we'll see what happens in those two situations yeah and, and i'd also say this i know I, I spoke about you know the patience that chris jones might have and maybe throwing away you know this year um and, and, and it's a fine line between you know having too much patience and really wanting to win right now which is the reason why he might be doing all of the transactions and and, and the changes that we're seeing but i will say this i have seen it we're only halfway um, through the regular season and i've seen we've all seen these teams that had terrible starts and work and find a way to get into the show and chris jones knows that chris jones knows absolutely how important it is to finish out the the the, the stretch of the regular season in order to put yourself in a great position i mean i'm thinking about the 2011 bc lions who had a terrible start and i and and if i'm not mistaken i think they were if about oh and five or oh and seven something of, of of the sort and then ended up winning the great cup i think about the uh toronto argonauts and i believe the year was uh 2016 or 15. they had a terrible start as well and ended up winning a great cup as well and so it's not impossible and um if somebody someone is capable of doing something like that and transforming a team in you know into a championship team it's a chris jones and so um they're definitely a wild card um but chris jones has done it like you said and is capable of leading a team to the show yeah i, I think it's probably the reason why nick arbuckle is not there right like does nick arbuckle from a week in a week out standpoint give you a better chance to compete then Trey Ford or Taylor Cornelius, like maybe, like if you squint, like probably. Um, but the fact that it's even close uh, and the fact that the ceiling for those other guys, if they get reps and, and some expertise, might be higher and thus be able to be a championship quarterback in this league at some point, say, okay, well, I'm, you know, Ty goes to the guy who can get me to a championship level. It's not just about competing uh, in, in these games right now. It's about competing and getting, uh, quite frankly, uh, a franchise that all they've cared about historically is championships um, back to that level in the city of champions. Uh, the BC Lions were, for many, a team who, you know, potentially had some championship aspirations. And they did win this week, 28-10 over Saskatchewan, but it felt 
like a loss, not just for the Lions, but for everyone. Because Nathan Rourke, the 24-year-old, just two starts before this year, that's taken the league by storm, six games with 300-plus yards passing, gets hurt in the fourth quarter. It's a Liz Frank sprain. It's important to notify it's a sprain, not a fracture. Uh, because the the length of time and severity of the injury is quite different. But either way, it's going to require surgery. Could be back in October, but you know when you look at Liz Frank injuries, you know, that's something that's putting you in a situation where you're non-weight bearing for six to eight weeks in the middle of a season. That's non-weight bearing. That's never mind getting your cardiovascular up. And maybe you can do some stuff in the pool to help with that. That's not throwing. That's getting hit and taking reps. So it'll be really, really tough for him, uh, you know, to get back. And and I, I don't want to, I don't want to understate, you know, what a loss it's been. He's been playing at a level, quite frankly, we haven't seen for a long time. He was on pace to break a bunch of records. Passing yards had 3,281 first in the league. Completion percentage 79.2 first. Passing TDs 25. Uh, and rushing TDs, uh, passing TDs was first, rushing TDs seven, second. He's a quarterback, and he's, he's second in the league in, in rushing TDs, and obviously his efficiency, when you put all that together, 125.1 first. He's accounted for 32 of BC's 39 offensive touchdowns, so that's a massive loss. So, you know, Michael O'Connor will we'll get, you know, his opportunity. And remember, coming out of camp, it was, it was in some people's minds, 50-50 on who was going to get that job. Um, O'Connor has been around the league for a couple of years now. But, but let's center this conversation about Rourke, first and foremost. In your estimation, how big of a loss is it for the Lions, but, but not even just the Lions, for Canadian football as a whole? I mean, it's a monumental loss. Uh, it, it sucks, you know. Um, beyond the fact that it, that, that it, it, you know, it, it hurts the way that it does, you know, it happened to a, a very, very impressive who does the right thing, says the right stuff. And, and I've told you this before, DB, I was, uh, uh, right in front of him. We spoke, we had a chance to speak, um, you know, things that were football related and off the field related as well. And he talked about, you know, the whole CBA negotiation and how things went and, uh, uh just the, the, the. The aura that comes off of them is so amazing. And so it sucks that it had to happen to somebody like that, but this is the game. This is what we play, and these are risks and things that happen usually, um, um, you know, in this game. And so a monumental loss for the BC Lions, but I will say this about the BC Lions, and one thing that a lot of people are overlooking is that this team has been well-built. There's a lot of great, um, you know, players that were surrounding Nathan Rourke. And not to take anything away from Nathan, but he had some great receivers around him. You talk about the lucky Whiteheads and the Burnham, who um, seems to have been heating back up to the young sensation that he used to be. Um, and then a bunch of, you know, supporting cast as receivers who were just doing an amazing job. And to me, really the X factor, the person that nobody ever talks about, or at least don't talk about enough, Jordan McSimmick. I hope I said his name right, but that's the offensive coordinator of the BC Lions, and he has been a, been doing a tremendous job. I had a chance to talk to actually Andrew Harris this very morning, and we were chatting about um, what kind, what a what a great job, um, Mister Coach uh, McMcSimmick has been doing out there, and um, he definitely has a lot to do with the success that Nathan Rourke has had, and hopefully, um, you know, for all the BC Lions fans, 
he is able to do the same thing with whoever steps up at quarterback over there. And the biggest thing as well that is going to help going forward, even though there's going to be a big change at quarterback, is the fact that my OGs, Ryan Phillips and Bowman himself, have been doing a great job running that defense because they have been terrific, sensational, um, very aggressive, uh, rushing every quarterback and doing an amazing job of getting that defense ready every every time they step on the field. Well, you mentioned uh, Andrew Harris, and um, I need to apologize because uh, I was gassing up Nathan Rourke, and I was gassing up Andrew Harris, and I said they were going to be the MOP candidates coming out of the East and West, lock it in, two Canadians, best in the league at their position. Uh, so I apologize, gentlemen, because I, I, I take this one on me. Uh, I will not be uh, promoting anyone for MOP uh, after this again. Uh, so big losses uh, when it comes to star homegrown players in the Canadian Football League. BC, though, you know, can't afford to take any losses. They were trying to continue to keep pace with Winnipeg and hold off, obviously, Calgary and Saskatchewan. Well, their next five games are against Winnipeg, Calgary, and Saskatchewan. So good luck, Michael O'Connor. And I think we're going to see some Antonio Pipkin as well. Uh, someone that you know well. Uh, it was in your building, both as a teammate in, in Toronto and, and obviously spent some time in Montreal. And so I think you might you might see both of them. And I think Michael Connor, quite frankly, um, and Pipkin, if, if he gets an expanded role and not just short yardage, are going to surprise some people because of the, the talent around them. But both both players, I believe, have talent. They just haven't had opportunity. And so I think they're going to get that for the rest of the season. So don't sleep on BC just yet. We got to talk about when it comes to quarterbacks. That wasn't the only quarterback storyline in that game. Uh, Cody Fajardo, who, you know, wasn't long ago, people were building up as the next wave of one of the faces of the league when he became a starter taking over, um, you know, when Zach Claros was down in Saskatchewan. Well, unfortunately, a lot of Cody's passes are going to the other team. Uh, two interceptions in this game, that's 10 on the season. But but almost more alarming is he only had 41 passing yards. Uh, first game throwing under 100 since July of 2019. Uh, July 16th is the last time Cody passed for over 200 yards. So he, he's not passing a lot, period, um, since that date. It's an important one. He's July 16th. He's thrown two TDs to four INTs. We pulled that halftime for Mason Fine. And this has been a conversation, maybe not league wide, but in Saskatchewan. What do you do with Cody? Do you arrest him? Do you let him get healthy? Do you just pull him because he hasn't been playing well? Some former players, some former riders have come out and said he's all right, but he's not real. Like he's not that guy. And and now Saskatchewan has, you know, in this game, anyways. Pulled Mason fine, but but the games are getting real for them, and what they do moving forward will be interesting. If they if Mason fine gets a run, or if they will go back to Cody Fajardo, what do you make of the QB situation in Saskatchewan? It's 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 a tough one. It's an absolute tough one, just because you got to figure out the line, right? As a coach, as an offensive coordinator, uh, you know, as as a general manager, when do you pull the plug? Right, we've seen a few teams already having to do that. Others, uh, not necessarily by choice, um, a la Ottawa Red Blacks and um, Jeremiah Masoli. So it's a fine line as a decision maker between: Do I continue 
to, to, to rally behind my quarterback, even though he's not been necessarily playing as well as I expected him to be, or do I pull the trigger? Because pulling the trigger comes with a lot of things, DB. It comes with a mental game that, you know, that quarterback will have to deal with for the rest of the season. It opens up the conversations for the public, for the media, for the fans, and even within the locker room. It could even divide a locker room. So it's a huge decision, and it's not as simple as a lot of people may think, just, hey, look, put the next guy in. And so, um, you know, for Coach Dickinson to have done what he did out there in Saskatchewan, it means that he's definitely thought about it. Um, for sure, like you mentioned, you know, people and former players have been talking about it. Um, you know, we have been talking about it, but hey, look, it's this is our job to do that. But those people in the locker room and the decision makers in there, what they just did is open up a, a, a whole door that may make it even more difficult for, you know, the foreseeable future as a starting quarterback in Saskatchewan, of all places. And so it's a tough decision. But it was made because, obviously, they don't believe that, um, you know, they've been getting the best out of their quarterback uh, since the beginning of the season. Well, the Montreal Alouettes are getting the best out of their quarterback right now. As a big performance by Trevor Harris, 366 and three touches against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Another fourth quarter Devastating loss for Hamilton, finding a way to lose as David Cote with the walk-off field goal for 48 yards, and all of a sudden the vibes in Montreal were entirely different. You know, Gary Stearns tweeting, feeling a type of way, proud about his team, and don't look now, but the Montreal Alouettes are in sole place of second in the East, in an East race that has gotten mighty tight over the last two weeks. Uh, I, I know that you're somewhat smiling because Hamilton did lose, um, but but Montreal did look good in coming back to win. What do you make of this one? 100%. You know, it's one of those games, again, I've said this before, that, you know, I would hope for and wish that both teams lost, but there's got to be one that wins and Montreal came out with the victory. Um, obviously, uh, really – now the Montreal decision makers are looking like they made the right decision looking, uh, you know, when it comes to the, the quarterback position over there. Uh, I, I, there was a point where it would have been either uh, Vernon Adams or Trevor Harris. And they picked Trevor Harris and they fought behind him and, and, and they believed in him and look where he is right now. But, you know, to have a game like they had this past uh, week against the Hamilton Tiger Cats, ups and downs and, um, you know, a Montreal team that seems to be very uh, uh, fury, you know, they fight very hard and they, they hung around for the duration of the game and to put the ball in Trevor Harris's hands, a guy who I've talked about before, probably one of the fastest releases, you know, uh, behind now Nathan Rourke, but probably one of the fastest releases I've seen in the CFL and 30 seconds, I think it was when he last got the ball in his hands and needing a field goal in order to win the game. You know, he's got some great weapons outside. You talk about the Jake Winnikes. You talk about, you know, the the uh, Geno Lewises and, and the Whites and everybody that's surrounding him. So they have weapons. They have a quarterback that can pull the trigger, and they went down. You, that, that's one of those teams that you don't want to keep them around for too long, and that's the mistake that I believe, obviously, that the Tiger Cats did, and uh, they paid the price for it. Well, Hamilton 
you know, has their future in their hands. When you look at their schedule over the next month, over the next four games, they play Toronto, you, and Montreal. So those teams that they're in neck and neck with in the race. So they go 4-0, they probably win the East. If they go 0-4, they probably go golfing. Right? Somewhere in between, and we're going to have, you know, a fantastic finish uh, to the play, uh, the regular season to see who gets, you know, those potentially two spots and maybe three. Um, I don't think it's uh, for sure uh, that there is a crossover team uh, just yet, given some of the struggles that we've seen in Saskatchewan. Uh, and given some of the maybe quarterback questions that we have now in the West with BC and quarterback questions, that's right, in Calgary. As uh, Cody Fajardo wasn't the only star QB that was pulled. Uh, Calgary has their own QB questions as the mayor, Jake Mayer, comes in in the second half and leads Calgary to victory as your Toronto Argonauts was shut out uh, in, in the fourth quarter after really controlling a game and, quite frankly, um, letting Calgary hang around in the game. Settling for threes, some untimely turnovers, um, some some discipline issues. Well, why don't we talk about Calgary first, then we, we can uh, finish the recap of games by moving over uh, to your team. Um you know, Bo Levi Mitchell made some, I suppose, less than veteran mistakes, not really reading the field and throwing it up for uh, for a pick. When you take away the 80 yards he had on the first play from scrimmage, you know, he was less than average. It's one thing removing Cody Fajardo from the starting spot, a guy who was, you know, on the cusp of being a star but wasn't an outright star just yet. Bo's a made man, Calgary. He's won rings. He has franchise records. I think we all know Jake Mayer is that next guy, potentially. But there's also a point in time we thought Nick Arbuckle was going to be that next guy. So a lot more difficult to be the starter than it is uh, to be the backup. And Calgary's still in a good position, especially when you consider, um, you know, that BC might come back to the pack with Rourke's injury. What is the decision for uh, Dave Dickinson, knowing that he has been on both sides of this situation as a player. He's been that guy that came and, and took a job and became the face of the franchise. And he's been that guy with Casey Printers breathing down his neck. Yeah, you know what? This is a very unique one uh, for the simple fact that, you, that, that, that we, we, we touched on already. Bo Levi has been there. He's done that. He's an established guy. And so I believe that Coach Dickinson out there in Calgary is really uh, relying on the fact that, hey, look, this is a veteran guy. I'm going to take him out the game knowing that, you know what, I'm going to go back to him the next game. But today is just not his day. I mean, it's kudos to our defense. And it is a confidence boost to be able to, you know, sit a guy of the caliber of Bolivar Mitchell. And so we knew exactly what had happened. We knew that he wasn't hurt. And we knew that it was a coach's decision. And so uh, it was, like I said, a confidence booster. Uh, but at the end of the day, to me, I believe that Bo Levi is still the guy. Bo Levi is still, you know, the the quarterback out there. I'll be very surprised if you don't see him starting next week. And so, um, like I said, I believe that I don't think I mentioned earlier what the changes and, and the impact that it could have of removing or changing uh, or even pulling a quarterback out of a game. I don't think that's going to be the case out there in Calgary because of, you know, history. Uh, Bo Levi has done it. 
He's been there, and uh, you know, I don't think that he's going to lose any credibility with his uh, teammates. I don't think that he's going to lose um, any fans out there in Calgary. And more than anything, I do not think that he's going to be shy the next time he gets a chance to touch the ball um, and think twice about throwing down the field. And so uh, I think that it was one of those things that, hey, look, you're not having a good game. It's not getting better after the second quarter. Let's just make this change. And I, and, and, and the other thing is I'll add is I'm willing to bet that Coach Dickinson didn't just come out and say, hey, look, Bo, you're out. He must have talked to him and, uh, you know, softened at least a blow a little bit for a veteran, a future Hall of Fame um, like Bo Levi Mitchell. And so um, I don't think that we're, you know, we've seen the last of Bo Levi. Well, I think the other thing is, they need more help, right? Like they have transitioned. They're now, quite frankly, scariest when they run the ball, not throw it. And the trickle down effect of every year them losing one or two receivers in free agency and thinking that they can replenish or replenish. Man, there's four of them on your team right now. Never yep. mind the rest of the league. <laughs> we got the so, Toronto Stampeders over here. Yeah. So I think, you know, that continual drain of talent has has happened and their strength was the depth and receivers that they had. And now I think we're seeing that there's a difference when, you know, guys who are your threes and fours and fives have to be your ones and twos. It's it's different, right? There are only so many Eugene Lewis's uh to go around and Calgary right now doesn't have one. So we'll see if Bo can get more help yeah, from man. from his playmakers. Yeah. I love that you touched on that because, you know, I've I've been on record of saying that I believe that, you know, John Huffnagel has done an amazing job over the last decade plus really of building his teams, right? And one of the reasons why Calgary has historically been, um, you know, the cream of the crop, one of the best teams in the league, um, let alone the West, is because of the consistency that they've always been able to have. Well, guess what? It's a new era. And now if and when, now, if you're a receiver, if you're a player that has been doing well, well, you want to get paid. And now, you know, Huff Nagel, who's been as, you know, stiff with his pen when it comes to contract signing as he's been in the past and still been able to kind of, you know, keep players in the locker room. This era of players, it seems like, it looks like, at least in Calgary, whatever is in the water over there, they're not satisfied. They're not happy anymore. And I've heard stories. I'm not just speaking out of the side of my mouth that, you know, some guys are just not happy with the way that they were being treated out there in Calgary. And so um, to your point, it is going to be important. You can have some playmakers out there, but we've talked about this before on the show, DB. Culture is so important and integral for success for any team and uh, for, you know, uh, Calgary not to be able to to keep uh, and retain their best players over the last three, four years, maybe, is showing um, right now. And to be honest with you, Bo Levi is paying the price for it. Well, your Argonauts paid the price uh, for not being able to effectively run the ball and essentially kill the clock, take the air out of football, and end the game. The Argos averaged the fewest rushing yards per game. And obviously, you're going to take a hit when you lose a player like Andrew Harris. But but some of the issues that we saw, things that we had seen before, struggles in, uh, you know, converting in short yardage in a high leverage uh, situation, 
the fact that Chad Kelly was your leading rusher, um, you know, is, is I suppose not necessarily uh, a positive, but going to the well routinely with the, you know, QB sweep wide zone uh, time after time after time uh, until it didn't work. Um, when, you know, as a, as a, as a defender, when, you know, you're on the sidelines and you're somewhat helpless, uh, you know, watching your offense not be able to stay on the field, you know, how frustrating is that? Or is it more of a matter of you trying to uh, control what you can control when you're, when you're on the field playing defense? Well, it's plain and simple, DV. Like, you have two options. You either get mad, you get frustrated, you start yapping and ya- and talking and screaming and yelling. And, um, you know, you don't necessarily fix anything. And, in fact, you actually make things even worse. Or you, you know, stick your head down and you try to play even better. And, as a matter of fact, um, which is, you know, some of the things that myself, as one of the leaders on defense, along with the other leaders, have been challenging the guys on defense. Hey, look, why don't we score? Why don't we take the ball? Why don't we get more turnovers? Why don't we give the offense another opportunity? And so that's the mentality we're trying to approach. But it's no secret. Uh, I'm not going to stand here and act like it was easy or it is easy as a defensive player and your offense is not necessarily, um, you know, playing to the level that you know that they can play. Um, you know, it's no secret that there's going to be frustration on defense. And um, this is the reason why you have leaders on, on teams, to be able to manage the guys that are around and manage expectations and, and, and continue to, you know, keep the enthusiasm at the highest of levels. But I will say this, and it's again, it's not a secret. You know, everybody that, that, that watches religiously and, and, and understands the game of football uh, would have seen that our, our offense didn't necessarily have the best of games um, this past week. But one of the things that I, I will, I, you know, as a defense, we did appreciate. Coach Dinwiddie came the very next day after the, the game, came to the defensive meeting uh, by himself, um, you know, took responsibility for the, you know, performance or lack thereof that happened the previous night and, uh, you know, put it on his on his own back and talked about how, you know, he is going to fix things. And so, uh, um, you know, it's something that we all respected as a defense. Um, you know, as much as we were all frustrated as a defense, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that you look at uh, uh, the, the, the coach, the offensive coordinator, and you have a lot of respect for a guy who's willing and able to come in front uh, stand up uh, and and really own um, you know his shortcomings and uh, you know really tell us that he is going to do better and so we're we're looking forward to seeing those days and at the end of the day again it's easy to talk about you know to to feel good when you perform so well on one side of the ball but the one thing that we do know and as a leader and as a guy that's been playing around you know that's been around the the game for as long as I have is that hey look. If you're not careful, one of these days, the other two, you know, phases of the game are going to have to be, you know, are going to be the reasons for why you have won the game. And so at the end of the day, for us as a defense, we tell ourselves, let's be consistent. Let's be better. Let's find a way to be better. As great as we've played, um, you know, specifically last week, let's try and duplicate that. Let's try and do even better. And so, um, that's the challenge that's kind of been thrown out there on the defense, and uh, we're looking forward to um, again duplicating that this following week here. This is yet another example that Enoch Mwamba <laughs> is a better human than me. Because listen, I, 
Every week you tell me some story about, oh, McLeod Bethel Thompson came and sat down to me. He told me he was going to do better. Oh, Ryan did what he came into the meeting. You know, he brought donuts. He said he was going to do better. I'd be like, move from here with your little violin. In fact, why are you even talking to me? You should be watching some film. Like, don't waste my time. I would, I, I, I never, I don't want to hear the apology. I just want to see the the issues corrected. And for too many times, uh, it's the same issue over and over again. And so the, the fascinating thing for me, and and you know, much of Argo's Twitter disagrees, and that's fine. The proof will be in the pudding. We have a <laughs> 18 game sample size plus playoffs. Uh, when you look across the league, outside of Winnipeg and Zach Caleros, and outside of Montreal and Trevor Harris for now, uh, there is some shaky ground at the quarterback position all over the place. You know, Edmonton's trying to find uh, a starter. BC has to integrate a new starter. Saskatchewan may or may not move on from Cody Fajardo. Uh, you know, there was talk about, you know, Dane Evans' play, uh, you know, before Schultz started running the ball uh, all over the place. Ottawa is just looking for anybody to complete three passes in a row. Uh, and although the stats for McLeod Bethel Thompson look good, there's still lots of plays left on the field that should be completed on air, some sacks that should be taken um, when, you know, ill-advised throws are, are made, some sacks that shouldn't be taken that take you out of field goal range. So it'll be, um, you know, the, even, although the counting stats and the fantasy numbers look good, um, we'll see what the ultimately uh, the record looks like because, um, you know, Chad Kelly didn't come here just to hold the clipboard. Uh, and the, McLeod Bethel Thompson is now 12 and 9 at home as a starter, 5 and 13 on the road as a starter. We'll need to get some road wins uh, as we get through this season. Now's the time to let them know, to raise your voice and raise your game for glory, for your city, for your turn. CFL, let them know. Let's, uh, let's transition to a positive. Uh, let's move into our mid-season all-stars. I'm not only a hater. I can give some flowers. So I'm going to give you the people I would name as an all-star at this vantage point. And you give me, you know, a confirmation or give me a name that maybe I should consider. And and the, the first one, first two, quite frankly, are, are kind of tricky. We'll, we'll start on offense uh, with a quarterback because at mid-season, the all-star for me is Nathan Roy. Now, we know he's probably not going to have another snap again in the regular season, but to date, the best player at that position has been Nathan Rourke. I, I understand Winnipeg, that Zach Claros beat him head-to-head. I, I get it. But he's just been at a different level. Uh, is, that, is that fair to say that he would be the midseason pick for, for an all-star, even though by the end of the year, obviously, we'll know it won't be him? Absolutely. You know, and sadly – um, doesn't mean anything, you know, for us to give him this award. But um, I, I truly um, believe that he probably has been the best quarterback that has played uh, up until this point, um, you know, in the CFL. I mean, since you jumped on the bandwagon since week one, and I was very hesitant. I remember telling you, remember me telling you that. Uh, but 
again, I, I kept saying that I, I, I kept an eye on him and uh, I was pleased with the progression that he was able to um, experience, you know, the growth that he was able to show everybody. I mean, you know, him getting to third and fourth reads and, and throwing, you know, tighter throws and, and riskier passes down the field, you know, for him to have been doing the things that he was doing and leading his team to the record that he has up until this point, I think is tremendous. Um, and again, all doing all of that with so little time at the starting quarterback position. So uh, definitely, hands down, uh, you are correct with Nathan Rourke. And a close second obviously has to go with, um, has to go to, uh, you know, uh, Zach Lars out there in Winnipeg because of the simple fact that, you know, to be a champ, you got to beat the champs. And uh, for for Winnipeg, he's been that guy. And, you know, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes that you have to hate on him. It's very, very, very hard that you'll see Zach Lars make a mistake. And so um, along with the, the rest of his team, you know, he is doing a good enough job to be right there, second at the midpoint. Well, yeah. I'm going to say a lot of the same things for the running back. And for me, it's Andrew Harris. And it, 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 over the last uh, you know, couple of weeks before he got hurt, it was a bit more of a struggle to run the ball. But when you, when you look at what he does in pass protection, when you, when you look at what he does uh, catching the ball out of the backfield, and when you look at what he does in terms of the numbers he forces you to put in the box, I think he was still, and again, we're going to have to come up with another name when we do the end of year All-Stars. But for half of the season, I think he was still the most impactful running back in the CFL. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and again, this is beyond the play that he's shown on the field, beyond the brilliance and uh, the excitement that he brings to the game uh, week in and week out. At the age that he's been doing it, I think that the story also plays a huge role in this, you know, meaningless <laughs> midseason award. But... Uh, Andrew Harris has done an amazing job. And let me say this, DB. I'll put a 1B out there, and I'll let you actually speak on it as well. James Butler, especially for the simple fact that we put Nathan Rourke as the, you know, runaway favorite for the midseason, uh, you know, quarterback uh, award. James Butler has done an amazing job of supporting um, Nathan Rourke. I mean, catching out of the backfield, making plays and gaining yards, his yak yardages um, has been tremendous. Again, I was on the field with him, tried to tackle him multiple times, got him down, but he is thick, he is heavy, he moves very well, and, um, you know, he's been doing a tremendous job for the BC Lions, and I think um, he doesn't get enough flowers in BC. Love it. All right. Uh, I don't think Eugene Lewis gets enough flowers. And, you know, Stephen Dunbar, uh, you know, I think is in the conversation. I think there's two guys on your team, Devaris Daniels and Curly Giddens, uh, who could be in this conversation. But I think Eugene Lewis um, is, is, you know, the most important, the most polished receiver. Uh, hat tip to Jalen Acklin, who's had a, a real good start to the year. Um, you know, Burnham missed some time. Um, Lucky Whitehead hasn't been as explosive. Kenny Lawler is still up there in the conversation. But I think Eugene Lewis is that guy at receiver. Yeah, you know what? It's hard to argue with that. Um, the numbers show, um, you know, exactly that he, he's one of the best right now that's doing it, and he's consistent day in and day out. 
right? Um, and that's, you know, with me putting probably my guy and that's me, you know, putting him to maybe a close second. My guy, D.D., Demaris Daniels, who's done an amazing job this year for us and, you know, his whole career, really. But, um, you know, I think with more consistency down the road with our offense as it continues to uh, trend in the right direction and upwards, that is, uh, I think that he's definitely able to come away with um, the first spot by the time the season is over. All right, and offensive line. And listen, this one is, unless you're watching the line cut of games and really studying tape, it's tough to know. Uh, I'm going with uh, Chris Kolonowski, the center from Winnipeg, just because what they've been able to do, running the ball uh, better of late without Andrew Harris, keeping, uh, you know, Zach Caleros relatively clean. You know, I, it's, I'm giving that to that line as a whole, but he's making the calls. Another thing that Andrew Harris helped with, which, which obviously you're not going to have the same amount of help with with two young backs. Uh, I'm, I'm giving it to Chris Klonowski, but you have to go up against these dudes. Uh, you know, for you, who's the best uh, old lineman in the league? No, absolutely. I, I mean, I could agree with you. I concur. Uh, I think that, uh, you know, there's various old linemen that, that do a good job. But to me, as an offense, as an offensive line, you have to do it as a team. And uh, the way that Winnipeg does it, um, you know, together and consistently is definitely, um, you know, the, the direction that you got to go towards. So um, they have a great, you know, blocking scheme. They do some things very well and very unique that other, you know, teams don't necessarily do. And uh, the biggest thing, obviously, like I said from the beginning, they work extremely well together. Okay, let's move it to the defensive side, and uh, we'll start with uh, the D-line. I, listen, I, I, I think not much needs to be said. Willie Jefferson, he's been that guy. He's still that guy. Uh, he, for me, is still the best defensive lineman in the league. True or false? You have to put him up there. Um, you know, I don't go in the offensive meetings, but I will say this. I'm 100%... I'll even say 105% sure that every team that plays against the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, every offense identifies where Willie Jefferson lines up, where Willie Jefferson is and what he is about to do and try to find a, pl- uh, 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 a solution for that gigantic, pun intended, pub problem. And so uh, Willie J has to be up there and a close second will have to be Malden out there in uh, – Ottawa. He's a guy that's been doing an amazing job. I met him actually last year um, in Hamilton. He's been in Hamilton for some time, and he wasn't really getting his reps. He wasn't really getting his touches. But when the opportunity came and he got his chance to go out there in uh, Ottawa, he's been out there wreaking havoc. It's unfortunate, obviously, that uh, the team has not necessarily been having the success um, to showcase the uh, uh, great play that he's been having from the beginning of the season. So we'll move to the linebacker, and we'll remove you out of the conversation. Uh, you know, we, we know that you should have been higher on TSN's top 50. Uh, but <laughs> with, with Enoch out of the conversation, I'm actually going to go uh, with a guy who lines up right next to you, uh, Winton McManus. I think he's made some splash plays, but he's just been consistent week in, week out. I assume you're not going to disagree. No, nah, absolutely not. And if I was going to fight very hard if he chose anybody else but him. 
Uh, when, you know, he's been a breath of fresh air. Um, he's probably one of the better linebackers that I've lined up next to um, over my career. And um, beyond just his play that he does, that he, he, he shows on the field, you know, he's a guy that is extremely uh, hardworking. He's a student of the game. And he's the guy that, you know, I, I'll turn to him and I'll tell him, hey, when you should have been here, you know that, right? And it doesn't offend him. I think that, you know, I've had teammates in the past where, you know, or linebackers, really well linebackers that I've had in the past where I can say certain things. And, and it's not even offensive, but they take it offensively. He's that guy that is willing to take everything and anything. Um, and not necessarily just for me, but from even the coaching staff, he doesn't take anything personal. And he's always able to improve his game week in and week out. 100% uh, win McManus for the uh, linebacker. I'll add another name to the conversation. He's a guy that I respect uh, tremendously. He's a guy that's been playing very well. I think he has two picks already. Um, those guys out there, both linebackers actually out there in Saskatchewan are doing a really good job. Um, every time we watch them, we talk about it, Win and I, and uh, again, we have great respect for those guys. Um, but Larry Dean, to me, he has to be in that conversation. A guy that's coming off of an Achilles, DB, Achilles, and coming out here and, and putting the type of season that he has. Um, again, uh, much respect and much love for Larry Dean, and uh, he's definitely a, a close second to win. Well, for defensive backs, I went with Winston Rose. So many good ones in the league, but I think he's still playing at a high level. Uh, who you got? There's definitely quite a quite a few that you can choose from, and uh, – um, you know, you, you, you have to at least, again, it's, tough, it's always a tough part because you got to go with the team that, that, that wins the most, especially when you have so many options. But I'll agree with you. Winston Rose has been doing a really good job of being super consistent um, for that defense over there. And he's a team that he's a, he's a DB that most quarterbacks have to know where he is before they let the ball go out of their hands. And so um, he's a dangerous guy and he's a, he's a big time playmaker. So when we move to special teams, uh, you know, in terms of place kickers, I went with Rene Paradez. You know, top 10 all time. He's made so many big pressure kicks uh, and still doing it this year. Uh, who you got? I mean, the man's got ice in his veins. You, you got to give it to him. He's been doing a great job all season long. Um, I don't know how many, you know, field goals he's missed necessarily, but I can tell you and guarantee you that it's a very few. And by few, I mean probably less than three. So uh, he's definitely the guy that's at the top of the list for me as well. Okay. And lastly, uh, returners. And uh, I'll go with a guy who was a former Argo, uh, now you know, making a home for himself uh, in, with another Eastern Division team in Montreal, Chandler Worthy. Absolutely. I'm with you on that. He's one of the coolest guys you'll ever meet, DB. One of the coolest guys. I mean, doesn't matter what the situation is, whether it's an exciting play or a terrible situation, he is going to be even keel. And I love the way that he plays the game. And, and one of the most positive human beings you'll ever meet. Chandler Worthy, for me, I agree with you. Okay, well, let's move on uh to our game previews but before we do that remember let us know who do we forget who should be on that list who do you think will be on that list by the end of the year certainly those names because of injury uh is going to change but it also could change as role and responsibility changes so let us know uh hit us 
both up on Twitter. Uh, game previews, Thursday, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Calgary goes to Winnipeg. Remember, Winnipeg coming back after a bye. And after they tasted blood for the first time this year, their first loss against Montreal. Uh, we don't know who necessarily will be playing or finishing a quarterback for Calgary. You believe Bo will get the start. But a big game, uh, Calgary-Winnipeg, uh, what are you looking for in that game? Uh, looking for just that, the bounce back by Bo Levi Mitchell. I mean, all eyes are going to be on him, right? And that's the thing that we talked about from the beginning of the show. You pull your quarterback, you bring the eyes to that particular position. So now, how is Bo Levi going to bounce back? And now, and it's going to be against, you know, the cream of the prop of the league, the defending champions, back-to-back defending champions. And so it's going to be interesting. But at the same time, hey, look, I guarantee you, Bo Levi is at home saying this is an amazing opportunity for me to reestablish myself on this team to kind of regain that credibility and, and uh, you know, show this whole league that I am still Bo Levi Mitchell. And so this is going to be a great, great matchup that I can't wait to watch myself. Two teams looking to reestablish not credibility, but their place in the East coming off of losses, coming off of losses where they blew late leads. Hamilton and Toronto, Friday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern at BMO. Uh, it's round three uh, for you two teams before the Labor Day Classic ends it uh, next week. What do you think the focus will be uh, in the real big thing that will swing this game? It's round three of four. And at the beginning of the season, DB, I'm not going to lie to you, and a lot of people have brought the same conversation to me and had the same sentiments man why do you have to play the Hamilton Tiger Cats four times now look to me I just told them look it just gives us more chances to beat the Tiger Cats yes we lost to them one time we got two more opportunities to beat them which is great but I think that the thing that matters even more um than you know me getting revenge and all of the uh you know Toronto Argonaut fans seeing the Tiger Cats fans lose is the fact that the the impact that it'll have in the standings in the Eastern Division with these two games coming up right here, how it can potentially change a lot. And at the end of the day, either team that does go 2-0 and um, going forward will have sole control of their own destinies going forward. And so it's going to be an interesting game. It's going to be, um, you know, great to see exactly like when you talk about our defense. I talked about earlier where and what kind of energy we want to bring to this this game. We want to duplicate, not just duplicate, but even improve from the previous performance that we had last week against Calgary. We felt like we played a really good game, and we want to repeat just that again against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. And we feel like we left a bunch of plays on the field the first, the second time around against the Tiger Cats, and we want to correct our mistakes. And so. The matchup between their offense and our defense, I think, is going to be one to watch. Well, it is one I will be watching. I'll definitely be watching this one. Friday, the late game, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, Saskatchewan goes to BC. Michael Connor will get the start. Will Mason Fine get the start? Or will it be Cody Fajardo for Sask? Uh, it, it is always hard to beat a team twice. But there's going to be some new variables in this one. Uh, what are you looking for in this matchup? 
Absolutely. I'm calling on the coaching staff. I want to see who is going to make their quarterbacks comfortable, who is going to make the best adjustments in order to win. At the end of the day, Cody Fajardo, whether you he whether he'll admit it or not, he's got a lot of things going on in his mind. He's, there's a lot of doubt probably even creeping in. It's going to be a lot for the offensive coordinator out there in Saskatchewan to keep him comfortable, to allow for him to play the best game that he's been able to play because who knows, tomorrow, next week, is not promised at all. And then again, you look at the other side. You look at BC. I want to see if what I've been saying from the beginning of the season has been correct. If they come out with the offense that they have in a different jersey than um, Nathan Rourke at the helm, at quarterback, and still perform that they've been the way that they've been, then we'll know, DB, that the offensive coordinator and the coaching staff on the offensive side of the ball over there has been doing a great job from the very, very beginning. Not to take anything away from Nathan Rourke, but I know and I truly believe that they're doing a great job, and I think that they'll do a good job uh, prepping uh, Mr. O'Connor over there in BC. And I know also that Mr. Pipkin will definitely be ready. A guy who's had experience and who knows, you know, a little bit, a thing or two about the CFL. So is the BC line defense going to be consistent in order to give a chance to the young guy for him to have success? That is going to be a question that we'll have to see in that game. Well, you said nothing is promised. That's certainly the case for our last game seven, at 7 p.m. Eastern on Saturday. Ottawa goes to Edmonton, if you're in that Elks dressing room, you know that if you don't play well, Chris Jones might ship you out of town. And, you know, on the other side, in Ottawa, if you're a coach, you know that this team doesn't play well, we might be shipped out of town. So we will see what happens in that one. Neither of these teams seem to be able to win when they're at home. Uh, Edmonton's looking to end their losing streak at home. It would be real cruel if they play, you know, back-to-back games fan base is dying to actually see in person a win and Edmonton goes to Ottawa and win and then Ottawa goes to Edmonton and win but we're far from that what are you interested about this matchup man we talk about it already from the beginning this is the game about time after this game we'll really know does coach Lapolis have that much more time left in Ottawa and is Chris Jones going to create some magic to create even more hope out there in Edmonton for the Elks fans. So it's going to be an interesting matchup. I mean, Coach Jones, I can guarantee you, he's going to be sending the house. If I was a betting man, that's what I would say. He'll be sending the house at whoever is going to be lining up at quarterback in Ottawa. And Lapo needs to pull out all the trick plays, the gadgets that he has been well-known to have over the course of his career as an offensive coordinator and head coach because this could very well be his last, if not one of his last ones as a head coach in Ottawa. Well, the scenarios in the CFL as we are in the shadows of the month of September are as clear as mud. Who's going to be starting at QB? Who's going to be making the playoffs? Who, if anyone, will be crossing over? Fascinating times. This is why we love the league, love breaking it down with you as always, Enoch. Uh, Go get some rest uh, and get some family time in. Uh, before it's anything but family when you take the field against Hamilton. This has been fun. Thank you for listening. Please like, favorite, share, and subscribe. And let us know on Twitter, on Instagram, 
what you want to hear and who you want to hear from. That's it for us.